Hi everyone and welcome to chapter two of A Tale of Two Queens. Um, I'm trying a different page layout to read while I'm reading, really, and hopefully it will allow me to read smoother, but I'm not sure it will. So yeah, this is chapter two and if any of you like this or want me to keep reading, I'm sorry it's taking me so long to repost again. But get in touch with me and let me know what you think, or if it's too fast, or if it's too slow. And yeah, just let me know. Contact me. I'm at unhinged and unenlightened on wordpress.com. And I think there's a way to contact me through this. I hope so anyways. So, this is going to be chapter two. <clears throat> the moment the Dark Queen struck her staff on the floor and vanished, she reappeared outside in a puff of rainbow-colored glitter and shards of seashells. A faint shimmer ran away from her. It arched out in a large circle, arching around a little patch of flowers. It looped around the tiny house and met where it had begun. The Dark Queen's jaw fell as she saw little stones just beyond the shimmer, dotting out its path. A fairy circle. Smack in the center sat this little house. So deceptively cute. Oh no, she muttered, turning to see the fairies that were flying away into the valley. Or were they fleeing? Either way, they were going as fast as their sparkling wings could take them. You are still here. The White Queen stormed out of the door. You dare. She struck on the edge of the circle where it bumped around a flower patch. A good thing for the flowers too, as they would have been trampled. A bad thing for the Queen's nose. She bashed straight into the shimmering wall, knee and nose first. Oh, she stumbled back, clutching at her nose and hopping on one leg. How? What? Fairy circle, the Dark Queen muttered, looking around at the suspiciously new-looking house in this freshly cleared patch in the fields. To its left sat a wishing well. Water of any sort was a weapon for the White Queen. To the right sat a lush herb garden, freshly planted. Plants of any kind were a potent sources, source of power for this Dark Queen. But the door to the house was squarely between both the well and the herbs. They staged us, the White Queen said sharply, furious at having been tricked. Yes, the Dark Nemesis added, knowing exactly what they had been staged for. They had been locked in the circle, forced to wage battle to their heart's content until... She was distracted from that thought by the sound of one of the White Queen's sled dogs noisily cleaning itself. She scowled at it, and the fluffy dog whimpered and looked away. Give her to me and we'll be done with it, the White Queen announced as she strode over. No. Then put her down so we can fight fairly. I do not wish to harm her. No, the Dark Queen said, lifting her nose and gliding past her nemesis. Off she walked toward the house, but the White Queen jumped in her way and barred the path. Put the baby down, she ordered. The Dark Queen held her ground. No. She lifted her staff. The White Queen drew her sword with a hiss of gleaming metal. She struck a battle stance, eyes narrowed and weapon at the ready. The Dark Queen's staff lowered, so slowly, so achingly slow it seemed it would never truly touch the ground. The White Queen lost patience and darted forward. Her sword, aimed at the black midriff, sliced air as the Dark Queen vanished in a puff of darkness as the staff suddenly tapped the earth. In a dark blur, she reappeared behind the stumbling queen on the doorstep of the little house. Ha! She clawed at the door behind her, 
balancing the baby in her arms. Her staff was a mere inches off the ground. With a roar, the White Queen spun and lunged with Sword at the Ready. The door fell open behind the Queen of Darkness. She fell through it backwards, tripping in her haste. The staff knocked the ground, but it was too late. The baby was snatched from her arms. With a graceless yelp, the queen crashed to the floor in a pile of black robes. The other trampled over her in her momentum, barreling into the table as she clutched the baby to her with one arm. Hissing, the dark queen scraped off the floor. Like a tree groaning and fighting against the wind, she rose. The white queen held a sword between them, baby to the side. If you cast a spell, it will affect my child as well. We breathe the same air. Worse, she is human. Hold your magic. Trembling with anger, the Dark Queen lifted her staff. The other readied, holding the babe tighter and turning to shield it more. The Dark Queen lifted the staff before her, eyes blazing a brilliant red. But she hesitated, eyes on the baby, then the sword so near her midriff. Hold your magic, for the baby's sake, the White Queen implored, shifting backwards and trying to skirt out from against the table. The staff plunged down onto the white queen's toes. Yelling, the queen, that queen, crashed back into the, against the table, sorry, slashing at the black puff of vanished majesty that reappeared on the other side to yank at the baby. No, the white queen yelled as it slipped from her grasp. Her sword again cut into a black puff, and her arms were empty. Outside, her dogs barked at the sudden apparition before them. You beast, the white queen roared, plunging out the door in chase. Her dark enemy was easy to find. She was a dark spot behind the garden, summoning poisonous acid from the plants to flow in a slick liquid through the air around her. The baby was wailing and screaming and fighting against her, wishing for the chaos to end. Release my baby, the white queen roared, summoning water in three strikes of her sword. It burst up from the tiny wishing well, soaring through the air like jagged spears with frost sparkling along it and shedding to sprinkle through the air. One crashed at the hem of her blackened skirt and would have pierced through her legs if she had not leaped back and vanished into a puff as a second spear jagged through that puff. She reappeared farther back, baby still shrieking and staff twirling to direct the venom straight at the other queen's eyes. It sped like a sparrow through the air, stabbed and split by the last barb of flying ice. It separated in two tiny robins and flew, shrieking at the queen. More ice flew through the air, forming a shield that dashed the birds apart and splattered into sizzling splotches through the ice. More poison rose from the garden. More water flew from the well, chasing down the vanishing queen and dashing aside the poison. It was a maddened rush of two great powers, an age-old conflict that had ruefully shoved the great ices aside and withered age-old plants in spite. But only one was encumbered, encumbered. Only one had both arms to fight with. The Dark Queen did not notice that a blade of ice had been sent around the house to her back. She was busy directing the freshly brewed acid to splash against the White Queen and keep her at bay. All she heard was a whirring flap as a blade flew to her and transformed into an owl that snatched the baby away. As it lifted from her arms, she grappled at it. In a sickening rip that rose above the screaming of the baby, the baby fell. Two screams pierced the day. A sword and a staff clattered to the earth. Dun, dun, dun. 
Breathlessly, the two queens stood, head to head and trembling with the baby caught in their joined hands. The white queen held the body, the dark one her head. The white queen breathed heavily, looking in shock from the damp ruby eyes to the staff that lay on the floor. The dark queen's voice trembled. Thank you. The white queen's queen straightened, the dark one following as they lifted the baby between them. Neither struggled for ownership. Thank you, the white one said. You dropped your staff. Yes, the dark one said simply. Her eyes as well darted to the other's weapon abandoned on the grass. You dropped your sword. The moment stretched on, cradling the head in one hand. The dark queen plucked at the torn weaving, miserably, miserably pulling it back around the little spruce's head to keep the chill out. She's cold, the dark one murmured with a sniffle. The dark one, the white queen, sorry, the white queen bit her lip and felt the baby's forehead and pulse. Then she sniffed the air, rank with the scent of poison and acid. She may be feeling ill, ill from the air. To her surprise, she spoke the words softly. It just did not feel right to be pointing fingers. The dark queen nodded miserably and kept tucking the cloth tighter around the little body. The white queen continued, we can take her in the house. You can make her food. She hesitated, then wagered, you can carry her. There's a cradle in the house. Put her in there. Red eyes looked up in surprise. The white queen looked away in shame. It was my spell that dropped her, not your hands. I think you can see her safely to the cradle. Please. And she offered the baby. With tears welling in her eye, the dark queen took the baby back. Stooping to pick up her staff, she walked slowly to the house's door, smiling in teary-eyed relief and clutching the precious bundle so tightly. Watching her, the white queen retrieved her sword and ordered her dog stay outside. Then she followed her into the house and shut the door. Once the baby was safely tucked in the cradle, the two queens hovered around it. A pot of water had been set to boil, and the dark queen had chopped and placed the food within. Now the two enemies stood at right angles, staring in at the head and side of the cradle respectively, as it was tucked into a corner of the room. Both voiced worries over the other's magic while fretting over the repercussions of their own. Oh no, the dark queen whispered as the baby sneezed, feeling her forehead for a fever but also listening to her lungs for worry of the poison's effect. Her lungs may be sore, the white queen fretted, also fearing pneumonia or other awful sickness. She too listened to the breathing and brushed the forehead. A moist fist caught her finger and she glowed with happiness. The dark queen smiled ruefully as the snow queen shook her finger, cooing at the baby. The baby laughed, batting its other hand at the finger as well. The snow queen beamed down at it. Hello, Frost, she crowed. How are you? The dark queen's smile turned the flavor of rotten lemons. Spruce. Her name is Spruce. The finger stopped waving. Their eyes clashed. Frost. Spruce. Both took an angry breath, drawing up to face the other with all their majesty. The baby immediately started crying at the lack of finger to play with. See? Spruce. The dark queen said as if the crying was the fault of the name. The white queen scoffed. Trees don't cry. Frost, neither. The white queen was caught off guard. Stephalish reported, It does if you step on it, she faltered. The dark queen's eyes narrowed maliciously. Frost falls, she said accusingly. No, it doesn't. It just... The white queen swept out a gloved hand in a sweeping gesture toward the ground. 
settles gently. The dark queen shook her head and the white side. All right, bad metaphor. But still, Frost is her name. In a hasty shuffle, she drew a necklace from her pocket. It was a leather thong, and at the end dangled a little round medallion. In the language of the ancients was inscribed the word for Frost, and all around it was a protective charm that wound itself in a spiral. The dark queen's nostrils flared, and she looked away, snubbing it. How primitive. It will keep her safe, and the white queen stooped over, tucking the medallion into the wrapping around the baby. She won't fall anymore. Frost always lands gently. She said it with immense satisfaction, as if this would fix any mistakes on her part. The Dark Queen grunted in disgust and turned to stir the pot. Fetching a metal bottle from the counter, she began ladling the soft mush into it and then set it aside to cool. Then she served a bowl and sat at the table as near as possible to the baby. Throwing a glance at the bowl, the White Queen went and served herself. She too came and sat as near as possible to, as possible to the cradle, but this brought them together. Both shied away in revulsion, then eked closer to look into the cradle. The White Queen pushed the mush around, letting the steam erupt and rise. She was promised to me for five years now. She belongs to me. Miserably, the Dark Queen broke her usual silence. I did not know, but she is promised to me just as much as to you. Time has little consequence in these affairs once our marks are placed. A dismal silence settled on both at the truth of that statement. What difference was a few years to immortals such as they? What difference did it make who carved a room in their heart for their child first? The hall was there, awaiting the little smile to fill it. The white queen broke the silence again. We have been fooled. The child is both of ours, yet neither wholly owns her. The dark queen nodded. Give her to me. <laughs> what? The queen of eyes hissed viciously. The dark queen sustained that gaze easily. My halls are grand. She will want of nothing. My lands are fruitful and filled with good cheer as the seasons come. She will be cared for, and heartily so. Her eyes flashed as she seemed to swell with power. Give her to me. No. The white queen snapped, voice rising. My lands are sources of great wisdom. They give to the sea where she will learn great magics. Would you tear her from the links to the ancient powers? Give her to me, and she will be nourished in soul as well as body. I can teach her the ancient powers of earth, says the dark queen. Life and death are in my lands, says the white queen. I'm kind of... Uh, it's not written, says, says, but I'm adding it in. The sources of life are in mine, claimed the Dark Queen loudly. The value of instinct lay within mine, said the White Queen. The first, this is the White Queen, says the White Queen just as loudly. Your lands are a wasteland, says the Dark Queen. Yours are full of slovenly float folk. Here the White Queen's voice rose to a shout. You are destitute, Dark Queen. You are lazy, says the White Queen. The baby started to cry. Both lunged for the cradle, assuming their previous positions at its head and side. Shh, little spruce. There, there, Frost. Scathing looks were passed all around. They drew up from the cradle once more, letting the babe cry. Spruce, the Dark Queen hissed angrily. Frost, the other answered forcefully. I drew her name from a divination ceremony of the ancient powers. Me too. Both looked into the cradle again. Neither of us wants to give her up, the White Queen said bitterly. Then, for added measure, she said, so we should stop asking. 
bullying won't work, the Dark Queen said in a spiteful ma return. And neither will boasting, muttered the White One bitterly. They were stumped. What else was there to do? They returned to their bowls and ate some still hot spoonfuls. It tasted drab and uninspired. The Dark Queen set her spoon down thoughtfully. We need a solution. Fast. The White Queen nodded appreciatively. I will take her home. It is only fair. You have had her enough. You can visit, and we will discuss matters more that way. No, she hissed. We settle this now. We're not very good at that so far, and how long can we keep her in the shack for? She prodded the mush. This is hardly fit for her. I have a wet nurse waiting in my castle. The Dark Queen drew herself up haughtily. Me too. The White Queen stiffened. I have three, just in case there's one she prefers more, and they can rotate all around the day so she will never be without milk. The Dark Queen lifted her chin. I have five. They were both boasting out of thin air, of course. They had each carefully selected one wet nurse with another as backup in case the first grew tired. But they certainly did not have three or even five, and both knew that. But still they scowled at each other, then looked back at the crying baby who, despite all their planning, had no fresh milk right then. This is stupid, the Dark Queen of Mysteries grumbled. I took her. She is mine by that right. You said... You, as you said yourself, took her. You kidnapped her. Baby thief! I was honorable and consulting with the parents, but you were wretched. She is mine, by honor. The Dark Queen scowled her opinion of that. I have the mother's words promising her to me. I have the father's. Silence returned once more. The baby slept now, grumpy but fitfully tired. A smile curved the Dark Queen's lips. Only for a moment, though. She hid it away, standing with an irritated huff in guise of discontent. Stooping over the cradle, she began lifting the baby up. The Snow Queen darted up, crossing an arm between them. What are you doing? Her eyes flashed angrily. The Dark Queen looked back with dull anger. Going outside. Why? Calling for help. And she lifted the baby up into her arms as the White Queen drew back. Oh, that isn't such a bad idea. Yes, perhaps your advisors will know what to do. Perhaps I will summon mine as well. Without so much as a nod to acknowledge that she'd heard the other queen's considerations, the mysterious queen strode from the little house. The snow queen followed, watching the other's movements like a hawk. The dark queen did not go far. She stood by the little garden and circled her staff up, struck the earth once, and lifted her staff again skyward. A spiral of red, brilliant as a beetle's shell, shot up into the sky where it burst open. It seemed to spread wider and wider like flowers' petals opening in an intricate pattern. Little did the White Queen know that this pattern was a very specific form of communication, a language of sorts to anyone from her kingdom that would see it. No, the White Queen just marveled at its design and strange intrinsic beauty, its grandeur and strength. For a fleeting moment it took her breath away. Then, she thought that maybe, yes, she would send for her advisors to come as well. Surely they could all discuss things politely together. Then she heard the hunting horns. Swelling in the distance, they rose and fell like a braying herd on the move. A rumbling added itself to that, then a thump that was felt through the earth. Large shapes rose from the clustered peaks of the mysterious mountains. Stone giants, lumbering carefully along prescribed walkways. 
they were descending the mountainside fast. You're consulting with the stones. The White Queen knew little of the mysterious Queen's advisors. In fact, she had never thought this Queen took counsel from anyone. Her curiosity was pricked, and she drew nearer the Dark Queen to see better. The Dark Queen smiled. Oh, yes. And then, from the tallest peaks and the clusters of trees, shapes were flinging themselves off and rising into the sky. The great hawks. And the birds. Oh, yes. The Dark Queen nodded serenely. The Snow Queen squinted again. The forest seemed to crawl. It was difficult to see, as so many birds were flying through the air, and it was casting a great shadow over all. Who else? she asked, again looking up at the sign of the sky that hung there still, spinning slowly upon itself. My goodness, the White Queen thought, she has more advisors than I do. I will look puny alongside her. Many, the Dark Queen answered mysteriously. The shadows of the birds slipped off the forest now. As they climbed higher, the shadow chased along across the green valley, rippling nearer, and another pursued it. Headed by the stone giants, the shadow glinted in the sun with flashing blades, spears, and shields. That's your army! the White Queen cried, snatching at her sword as she realized what the White Queen had planned all along. You're going to break down the wall! The Dark Queen smirked, still holding the baby. Perhaps. You cheater! And she swung her sword, not at the queen, but at the wind. In a series of cuts, she set the beaten current back to where it came from, her lands. A message was graven into the wind's fabric, demanding her army's presence at once. I will not let you take her, she shouted, turning again at the dark queen, who stood there so smugly. Just try, she said lazily. Shouting wordlessly in anger, the white queen shook her sword. You cheat! You know I do not want to fight you while you hold, you hold her, and you took her on purpose while planning this. Of course. The Dark Queen watched her approaching army with an air of content smugness. You let me. The White Queen paced, watching the oncoming army spilling down the hill, and paced until a cold breeze brought news. Your army cometh, Great Queen. Finally, none too soon. The Dark Army was halfway here. Great worms were jutting up in bounds, breaking the crust of the earth to dive back down as they tunneled their way along. Great stags, goblins, boars, and of course, all those elves, were only a few of what the White Queen could discern chasing towards them. Above, the birds were already circling, their elven riders taking aim at the wall with spells and flaming arrows. The White Queen clenched her jaw and paced. On the opposite side, rushing from the forgotten plains, came the white army. Ghouls of ashen color, sleds pulled on the wind by armored dogs, the fish that gnawed and slept at the ice now sliced the air, and the great bears came running, breath snorting fast. The white queen planted herself before the dark queen so the latter could no longer see her army. My army is coming, she announced as the dark queen looked at her coolly, and you will see that nothing can stand before it. Ice is sharper than metal. The Dark Queen stepped aside, waving her hands before her nose as if something smelled bad. Exclaiming from the insult, the White Queen strode to the other side of the wall's circle to greet her army. It arrived in a rush of icy air that cut through the valley, sending tiny snowflakes sparkling through the air. The great bears roared and clawed at the walls, their strikes sending iridescent sparks shimmering away. 
The White Queen flung out her arms as she greeted them. My people, she shouted, take down this wall that traps me. As she spoke, the dark army arrived on the opposite side in a roaring crash. No commands were needed as the signal had told them all they needed. Even their formation had been dictated, and the attack now with an organized frenzy that was devastating. On both sides, the well was attacked with fervor and anguish, as all loved their queens and thought the other side there to slay theirs. Great blows were struck, causing the wall to ripple and gleam white and iridescent throughout. Multicolored sparks showered upon the army as they cut at it. Both armies spread out along the sides as more of them arrived and skirmishes broke out at the lines where they met. Mercifully, they focused their attentions upon the wall, driven by fear for their queens and anger at the others for daring to attack their beloved matriarchs. All day the armies battled, furiously attacking the wall with all their power. Many times the White Queen shouted out orders and tactics. The Dark Queen sent similar messages high into the sky, trying diverse spells and formations against the wall. Before long, a furrow deepened her brow. The White Queen began to scowl. The sun began to settle upon the world. As darkness descended, the Dark Queen ordered a rotation of troops, setting some to rest while others persisted with their night magic. The White Queen's ghouls and water spirits continued as they too thrived in the dark. Still, the wall shimmered and burst with sparkles, but would not give. The sun rose, and both queens were quite cross. All around, the valley was devastated. Once lush and green, it now lay in a trampled and churned-up waste. Wounded lay, scathed and bitter from the skirmishes. The Dark Queen raised her staff, and both armies fell silent. The White Queen glared hotly at her. My people, my beloved people. The Dark Queen crooned, her voice soft like velvet, but carrying fire magically. The Dark Beast came forward in snuffles and snorts, many pressing their heads and palms to the wall in adoration as they tried to reach her. This wall holds me and my daughter captive. It is fairy magic, and will not fall until those who set it see the errors of their ways. But you are hungry, you are thirsty, and you are angry. Go. The staff lifted and pointed across the valley to the castle. Feast off this earth. Drink the blood that flows free. Let loose your rage. Show these fairies that they have wronged me. With a cry, the army shook their fists, boiling with rage. Go, the queen commanded, and they were off in a chaotic mess. The earth shook, the valley rang with their cries, and already they were letting loose spells into the very earth to turn it dry and wasted. The White Queen saw this, and had what she thought was a better idea. People, she said as she addressed hers, bring me the twelve fairies of the council. Bring me also the king and queen who promised me a child. Hurry, and do not let them be harmed. Go now. In a rush, the White Army was took off, trying to outdo their dark enemies who had a head start. The dark army noticed them too, and did their best to slow them down, casting spells and arrows in their wake. In this way they drew together messily, clashing and sparring as each took different routes in their haste. The noise of the fighting grew distant in the tiny patch of remaining grass. Silence drew steadily upon the two queens as they watched their armies close in on the castle and its villages. You are doing an awful thing, the white queen snapped. How many will die in the villages? How many will die defending the king and queen? The other queen answered softly. The White Queen scowled, but lifted her chin proudly. 
I will not slaughter the people. I will convince the ones responsible directly. The white, the dark queen laughed. No, I will convince them. The two exchanged loaded looks. Turning their shoulders to the other in cold disdain, they watched the assault on the city begin. In a swoop, the shadow crawling across the ground and the white swirl curling through the air reached the outermost edges of the village, and there they stopped. Birds halted mid-air and fell out of the sky, the air before them shimmering white. The ground troops fell, knocked unconscious, and then trampled each other in their mad rush forward. Shimmering sparks rose, showering over them all. Both queens blanched. Another fairy circle. The white queen groaned. They knew what we were planning. All along, the dark queen whispered in horror. Perhaps it dawned on the two of them. They had become predictable after aeons of being bad-tempered and impatient around the other. The armies returned, defeated. They were sent home by two very humiliated queens who dared not look at the other. Clearing their throats to try and keep them from choking on their prides, they watched their armies vanish back where they had come from just a day ago. For now the sun was rising and the gentle glow was overtaking the world. The dark queen, still hold the, holding the baby in her very tired arms, strode to the garden. By now, after her many spells in the past few days, the herbs were exhausted. Most had wilted and lost all flavor. One plucky one, of which there grew quite an abundant clump, was not at all touched. As its leaves were rubbed, it produced a delicious aroma which the dark queen knew all too well. Carefully, she left it there and drew back from that herb. It was a very powerful aphrodisiac. Well, it stayed right there. We need water, she told the other queen before marching into the house. There, to her misery, she set baby spruce back in her cradle. As she began drawing the dried produce from the shelves and setting them out around the pot, the white queen entered the house quietly. Spruce needs water, the dark queen said coldly, just in case the white queen had not understood. The snow queen drew near, turning quite pale. She shall have to wait. The well has gone dry. I, to my shame, have used it all up in my spells. The dark queen's shoulders slumped, and then she dropped down to sit on the bench beside the table. And I have used all the herbs that would make fruit easy for her to eat. We are fools. Predictable fools, the white queen said softly, sitting down beside her. What shall we do? Bide our time? Waste no more magic? The dark queen murmured, we must find a solution. The white queen huffed and rested an elbow across the table, stretching her legs out. If we are so predictable, they must have left us clues to the solution. What have we around us that we've not yet used, or even touched? The Dark Queen laughed bitterly. Aphrodisiac herbs. Enough of them to kill ourselves with. That will not help. No, it would only make things more complicated, as mortals were wont to display through their daily activities. No, there must be something. They thought. They looked around. A small list of unused objects were amassed. The wind vane atop the roof, the bucket in the well, the rolling pin, which could serve for murder just as much for cookies, the dark queen added, and finally, there's a hoe and seeds. The white queen discovered in the shelves, horror drawing itself on her features. How long do they expect us to stay here? The dark queen murmured in awe. There is enough food to last us the winter, the White Queen said, shuddering at the thought, especially if we plant these soon. 
The dark queen of the mountains shook her head in revulsion. No. No. Night fell once more on the unfortunate queens. They slept barely, each curled on the floor against different walls and staring wide-eyed at the ceiling. Baby Stru Spruce Frost cried most of the night, hungry and miserable. Anxious, one mother would rise and walk her to sleep, then the other. By daybreak, they were both exhausted and wishing for the wet nurses and a hot bath. We need to find a solution. The White Queen groaned as she brought in a pail of water that the well had offered grudgingly. The Dark Queen nodded wordlessly while preparing the food. Thoughtfully, she nodded again while pouring the water into the pail and dropping in the chopped food. Behind her back, the White Queen spoke hesitantly. Listen, she is our child to the both of us. And so, perhaps the plants were an analogy of sorts. We ought to raise her together to spread love across the world, or something like that. These are fairies we are dealing with. They are dull-witted and naive like that. The Dark Queen suddenly straightened. Turning slowly, she looked around the house, then straight at the other. How would they know if we reached a solution? For a moment, the White Queen returned the stare dumbly. Then she, too, looked around the house. When their gazes met, an understanding passed between them. Or at least... The Dark Queen had a sudden plan, and the White Queen followed. Oh my! The Dark Queen cried out. What an excellent idea! Oh yes, what a plan! Indeed! The White Queen cried dramatically. We have now solved our dispute. Oh, what great friends we are! The Dark Queen cried out, extending her arms. Yes! The White Queen answered, her face cringing at the thought. We have solved all our hatred. We are now going to share the baby. Dropping her arms before a hug could happen, the great queen of mountains and mysteries span like a dancer and pointed to the cradle. How shall we share her? Together, the white queen answered, also turning to the crib, so they stood at the head. In what they both hoped was discreet, they put their heads together. Do you think this is going to work? She muttered. Keep trying. We have to fool them. Then she lurched aside. I have an idea. How about we raise her together? Both of us, you at my castle, sharing. You at my castle, sharing. The White Queen blundered verbally, not to be outdone. Because we are friends, we can now stay over. Half the year, the White Queen crowed. So it's fair. The Dark Queen cringed at the thought, so obviously she looked deformed. Because we like each other. The White Queen was just as obviously repulsed. They could have been acting out a tragic murder scene. It would have looked the same. If, of course, they were children who were terrible actors to boot. If only the fairies would come speak to us now. The Dark Queen said so loudly she was almost shouting. We could tell them what a good solution we've found. Both queens looked wildly around. Two days of being trapped together without sleep had obviously taken its toll. They, they should come talk to us. The White Queen added, for good measure, because we are friends now. No answer came. Their gazes drew, grew desperate. The doom of a winter together was squeezing them like soft cheese under a sliding hammer. The White Queen called out a pitch of desperation to her voice. We, we are even going to stop our attacks in the kingdom because we are so happy. I'll hate and anger forgotten, the Dark Queen added as if it was killing her. If only the fairies would come talk to us. Oh yes, if only. 
in a final stroke of desperation verging on madness. The two put an arm around the other and looked around with terrified grins. Both pleaded silently to please, please not be stuck together. Forever. A whirring hum grew. The queens tensed, their faces drawn calculated. Above the door, a dozen lights appeared. The twelve noble fairies of the council had arrived. Aha! The white queen said as they landed before them, crowding the entrance with their shimmering presents and fluffy skirts. It worked, the dark queen said smugly, crossing her arms delicately. What fools! Fools yourself! What sort of enchantress looks around this home and sees nothing? The fairy chief in front and center was wearing little bits of enchanted armor on her shoulders and hips and a crested helmet with a gem set on her forehead. The dark queen pressed her lips together, eyes narrowing. The white queen scowled, but spoke. Release us. Obviously we are not friends and your plan has come to naught. Let us out of here so we can battle the other and be done with it. Oh, and what then? To wreck the valley some more. A fairy from the left cried, shaking in her green dress. The one in armor held up a hand. Water in one corner, the earth garden that is perfectly balanced in all aspects in the other, the hearth and wind vane, and at the center, the spindle of truth. Do you not see it? You've been sitting in a spell of promises all this time. And now that you have promised to share the baby, it will hold you to that. If not, the hoe will hack the sacrifice to death. The sacrifice? The white queen asked. Do you think you can kill us so easily? The dark queen sneered. Not you. Neither of you would be so easy. But a mortal human set in the left corner? The fairy gestured with a bitter smile. No! Both queens screamed and lurched, barged forward and shoving the other side. Quaking, both stood to cover the cradle. The dark queen kicked the hoe away. The baby will die if you do not keep to your promise. We ordain it so, the fairy declared. Then all others nodded solemnly. So it will be. They each echoed in turn, solemnly. No! The white queen yelled. The dark queen screamed wordlessly. <laughs> the fairies turned their backs on the trembling queens and flew out the door. As they crossed the lawn, the shimmering walls came down around them, vanishing away. Luckily for them, they only started giggling when they were out of earshot. Even then, they flew quickly to be sure the queens would never hear it. For fairies are tricksters, and the two nervous queens, overtired and stressed, had just been played one of the largest pranks of their lives. No spell had been cast, for these fairies would never threaten the life of anyone. But the queens, heartless and cold to anyone not within their kingdom, had forgotten that fact a long time ago. Both were enchantresses that knew little of the other's magic and assumed a spell, the make of which they had never heard before, was an ancient and muddled thing from the other's land. But as they cried hot tears of dismay into the cradle, neither of them thought of asking the other that. The spell, after all the misery of the past few days, was as real and true in their minds as the precious infant before them. And so, sobbing shamelessly, they looked at the other. We have to share her, the white queen sobbed. Please don't kill her. Crying too hard to even speak, the queen of the mountains nodded. With a shaking hand, she stroked Spruce Frost's forehead. The baby, sensing the misery all around it, started crying too. This made the mothers sob even harder. Oh, what if she dies? The white queen wailed. It'll all be our faults now. 
The dark queen dropped her hand, her head onto the crib's railing and sobbed, her shoulders shaking. Choking past her tears, she laid her life forward for her little spruce. I will visit you first. This way I will be sure the visiting will happen. Even if it put her in danger and at the mercy of the other, she would do it. For she feared the white queen would be too cowardly and not visit at all, or would try horrendous things while visiting and force her to take actions that would kill spruce. After they cried all the tears they had in their bodies, they dried their faces. The White Queen picked up the baby, and the two left the house for the White Lands of Devastation. From safely atop the castle, the fairies watched with cries of joy. They couldn't believe it had worked. But, as the fairy chief said, love blinds everyone, even the wisest. A fact that everyone in the kingdom of Farfadel had never been happier about. So that was chapter two, everyone. Um, if you liked it, drop me a message, like it, share it, the usual. I really like hearing back from people, though. So if you do enjoy this, I will be trying to post um, as much of it as possible, which will be probably about three quarters of the story, seeing as I am selling the book. But actually, I might post the whole thing in case there's someone that's visually impaired that needs to read it or wants to read it, you know. And yeah, um, just let me know what you think and if you like it. And yeah, I'm at Unhinged and Unenlightened on WordPress. And from there, you can find my email. It's mdoust245 at gmail.com. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. Have a nice day. Bye.